Hey everyone, what's up? Roll that intro. Welcome to the BBR podcast. The fit sissies are back. We're back, 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 back again. Back for another chat. Back for another little potty. Because we absolutely love the podcast room. We really do. And Albert loves listening to us. Albert's favourite time is when we want to redo the whole thing after we've just done it. Well, uh, yeah. Let's not, <laughs> let's not go there. Let's not go there. We're, we're getting there, girls. We're getting there. Today we want to hit you with a interesting topic and one that I feel like we have a lot of experience in, and that is five common health and fitness mistakes. <laughs> Emma and I have been training now for... I was trying to figure it out. How long have we been training for now? I mean, I've been doing some form of activity, like intentional activity outside of sport since I was like 18, 17. I used to do the hell. Yes. Cardio. I think I started gym in like 2014, like 2014 2015 is yeah. when I like actually started to take things seriously, started to get my personal training certificates and all that jazz. And... Wow, we have learned so, so much. It's so funny. I go and watch our old YouTube videos and I'm like, wow, sis. But sometimes I feel like if we agreed with everything we were saying back there, we wouldn't have developed and grown. Yeah, it's all about growth. It's all about learning. And I think what's really important is being able to uh, accept that you're not always going to be right and that things are going to come out, new evidence, research, and you're going to be like, wow, Form, oh my God, my form back yeah, in 2014, my too. hip thrusts, terrible. My squats. But I think that it's important to know it doesn't matter what level or chapter you're at with your journey that we all start somewhere and guess what? We're never always perfect. I think that's what growing is all about. And throughout our journeys, we've definitely picked up on things where, you know, we may have been making a few mistakes or just a few wrong assumptions. Mm. So we wanted to share those with you because why not? Never stop learning. Honestly, one of the best parts of running Bodies by Rachel was being able to hire people who were so highly qualified in their fields. Liz, our dietitian, now working with Tony for programming it's just really opened my eyes to how much I love learning and feeling mentored from people who have so much experience and qualifications in their areas. And I think being open to constantly learning is such an important skill and sort of mindset to have. So yeah, what can we say? We've learned a lot. We've come a long way. But we're here and I, I bet in five years from we'll now... We'll still be learning. We're going to say the same thing. And we'll probably like, sis, what were you saying? That podcast is. <laughs> Take it down. <laughs> so let's start with number one and let's do it. Eating less isn't always more. So let me clarify. We all know, gals and guys... Gals and boys. ...that we need to be in a deficit when we're looking to lose weight. Mm-hmm. However... Long-term restrictive eating is not the answer. No, 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 no. It's very dangerous. And we've all been there. And honestly, when you sit in a deficit for too long, your body is like, listen, sis, not happy, not willing to cooperate. And you feel like you have to keep lowering and lowering your calories. And this happened to me. I experienced this after my first comp prep with Worlds. I dieted extremely hard and I 
completely rebounded post comp. And I really found that from then on, from that whole next year, trying to lose that weight for my next competition was so extremely difficult. I sat at 1500 and below calories. I was doing cardio and weight training every single day. And I still felt like I didn't come in as lean as I would have liked. And it's difficult because your standard of calorie intake almost drops and suddenly 1500 something that was considered so low is then considered high. And just to hit you with some facts, my last prep, so my world that just went, the lowest my calories went, and this was right at the end of my prep, 1700 calories. Which goes to show that the year previous, the year prior to that, I sat at maintenance. I wasn't constantly dieting throughout the year. I really tried to sit at maintenance, work my calories up and decrease my activity. And to be able to sit at a higher calorie range and not have to flog myself day in, day out with exercise. And it's just amazing what can happen when you sort of think long term, isn't it? There's definitely a place for a deficit, Mm -hmm. but it's not all year. And that's why we really can't stress enough to focus on different stages of dieting outside of deficits so that you can get to a point where you can start losing weight on a higher calorie intake instead of constantly dropping that set point lower and lower and lower. That was just our first little tip. So Emma, have have you experienced this? Do you have anything you want to add to this topic? I have definitely been through phases where I would undereat, and at the time I didn't even really realize I was undereating. I just remember being so severely hungry all the time. And it's been a while since I've been through that. I took a whole year off competing to basically sit in a surplus. I um, you know, now I sit at maintenance. I don't really have any desire to go back into a cut anytime soon. But I think with anyone, especially when you're younger and you don't fully understand calories and macros, yeah, like definitely it's so easy to sit way what, too low. What can be dangerous and what I experienced when I first started out was I had no idea what macros were. I had no idea really about calories. I just thought I would go and set myself 1200 calories. I'd seen it somewhere on the internet. I felt it was right for me. I was a very active person. So I set myself these 1200 calories and then I found myself, honestly, the cycle was just terrible. I would under, under eat and then I would go crazy and consume everything in my household. The cycle would continue and over time I just I wasn't seeing any results and I couldn't understand why. And I think the problem is and I feel like the world of fitness has Mm. come so far Mm. since this point but Mm. you have people around you half telling you that these low unmaintainable calorie intakes are kind of right Mm. and it's like oh 1200 is normal for Mm. a girl Mm. or and you just think you know it's one of the toughest things we get we get a lot of clients that come to us and when we you know set them on their calories that we recommend they're so scared to eat that amount of food and it's because they have had this mentality ingrained in them that they need to eat next to nothing to see results and I always say to them okay well by doing that how far has that gotten you you know are you where you want to be and it's it's always not really So I was like, well, how about you just give this a shot? Because I guarantee by allowing yourself to sit at a less aggressive deficit, you're going to adhere to it and to and see better results long term because it's not a painful process. And that is the crazy part is majority of the time, even 
increasing their calories by three, four hundred mm. calories, mm. You're, you're still in a deficit. Mm. They just, yeah. You're just not in an aggressive one. Mm. And it makes a huge difference to how you can adhere to a plan. Mm. And that's what we're talking about. We're talking about not just 12 week diets no. or 12 week deficits. We're talking about extreme restrictiveness Over that's time. ongoing, like six months, eight months. I've had girls come to me who say they've been on 1,400 calories for a year. Mm. You know, it's that sort of elongated time period. And with this constant need to undereat comes, you know, really unhealthy behaviours such as overeating, um, constant craving, obsessiveness, obsessing over foods, obsessing over your next meal, punishing, self-punishment. I always say it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a form of self-torture. Um, and it can be, and it's really common. So I like to talk about it because I, I've been there. I know how it feels to obsess over, you know, every single calorie you're consuming, the guilt, and the cycle is just not healthy. So girls, we really want you to consider that maybe the deficit you've been in for the last, you know, six, 12 months, you need to maybe look at coming out of it and sitting at maintenance for a while and sort of, Working on your relationship with food before you then try to uh, enter back into another deficit. And another thing is, is girls will come to us and be like, I'm, I've been eating at, you know, 1200 calories for a year, but I haven't lost any weight. I guarantee that that cycle has been happening for them where they've been under eating and then on the weekends, they're overeating and they're not actually sitting at 1200 calories. So you need to find that sweet spot that you can adhere to long term. A hundred percent. Number two, flexible dieting is Is (laughs) life-changing. It really is. It has made such a difference. How has it made a difference to you? What did you do before you found flexible dieting? Oh, my God. Rachel knows this. Rachel's probably the only person in the world who knows this. So I've always been a big eater. We all know that. Oh, my God. I love food and I have an appetite. So what I used to do is I used to be a night eater. Mm. So I would go to work all day. So that wasn't really a thing. I'd always eat breakfast because I'd be starving that morning after training. But then all day I would kind of only eat maybe a protein bar and a salad, like really minimal. At this stage, Emma and I worked for my dad in his law firm and I would come out and I'd see Emma with a little cup of tea and she'd have this little bar. Cup of tea? Protein bar? Protein bar. And I was like, is that? Because I was always a sweets girl. Yeah, I was like, is that all you're eating all day? And then I like nothing salad. (laughs) Like a salad that was just late, like had no calories. I'm pretty sure I like dobbed on her to mom. I was like, mom, Emma's not eating. Like, Mom's like, no, she is. Just at (laughs) night So then I would go home with my partner at the time and the food that we would have I just can't even explain portion sizes to you like a whole Woolworths mud cake like the mud cakes the chocolate mud cakes that you can buy at Woolworths and Coles a whole one of those like a whole I reckon with three to four hundred grams of rice curries like food that was so calorie dense I actually don't know how I did it like I really don't but you exercised a lot on top of that. I trained and every morning the day, yeah. and then I didn't eat during the day. So she probably leveled yes, out. my calories probably averaged out, but my eating habits yes. were very extreme mm-hmm. and they were extreme because I thought that's what I had to do to get the food that I wanted mm-hmm. to have at night. Okay. I really want to have something sweet. I love having, you know, my dessert. So if I want my dessert, I have to eat less during the day. 
then came flexible dieting. And it took me a long time to fully understand how to do this. My guesstimations were really wrong. <laughs> yeah, like you think you're having 20 grams of almond butter. You're, you're really actually not. having 50. <laughs> yeah. We've all been I, there. One chicken rissole. The rissoles, now that I think about it, that I used to have that mum would make. fat. Versus what I put into my fitness pal, a.k.a. chicken breast. Yeah. <laughs> so different. It was thigh. <laughs> but... Once I learned and once I fully comprehended how to flexible diet, my entire life changed. Mm -hmm. My food obsessiveness dropped. My guilt went away. Mm. My controlling nature turned into just healthy habits Mm. and my adherence actually multiplied Mm. because I was able to stick to a plan that I loved, food that I loved to eat, treats that I always you know Mm. felt like while still sticking to a calorie intake and it's important to know that when you first attempt flexible dieting for example I actually failed I was like it's too overwhelming I can't do it and my friend at the time Hattie was like no you need to do it honestly and I was like no it's just not for me and honestly it took me a good year until I actually jumped on the flexible dieting ship and I was like wow once I really learned how to do it yeah I failed a few times once I learned how to do it and how to actually control the food that I was consuming and seeing that it didn't alter my results, it really was life-changing. And I really couldn't recommend it anymore to someone. And I always say to our girls, you don't have to flexible diet forever. But if you flexible diet for even six to 12 months, you learn so, so much about the food you're eating. Food, calories, macros. Portion sizes. That Then eventually, yeah, some days I don't track because I can guesstimate the amount of food that I need to be consuming in order to hit my targets. And it really does change your whole mindset around everything you're eating. Nothing Mm. becomes good and bad. Nothing Mm -hmm. becomes... Guilt, there's no guilty pleasures no. it's just pleasures it's just food food is food food is fuel food is to be enjoyed food is to be celebrated like when girls say oh I had this and I feel guilty I'm like why do you feel guilty exactly enjoy just- the food it's it's there to be enjoyed but enjoy it in moderation and enjoy it in a way that you can control it and still see results oh sis love that one number three progress tracking and the scale. Wow. Wow, that scale. Jump in our forum. We have so many posts when it comes to scale weight and sort of emotions around it. I'm really detached from scale weight personally. I don't own a scale. I actually, I should, but I don't. I well, do, I actually. No, but I, I pass it every morning in my yeah. bathroom and I would weigh myself maybe once a month. Why? Because I used to weigh maybe 10 kilos less Mm. and I prefer myself now. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Sometimes I can weigh more and I can feel I look better than necessarily if I weigh less. I just don't see the point in relying so heavily on a number. It's crazy as human beings how much we can let numbers sort of change our thought process our mood our emotions and it's not just in and it's not just around the scale if you look at life you know you meet someone and then it's like oh you find out that they're really well off or they're you know really broke and it's like somewhat some people seem to change their you know feelings and emotions towards that person or how many followers they have Mm. on Instagram or you know uh, how old someone is like if you thought they were younger and it's like 
that number doesn't matter. That no, number it really has doesn't. nothing to do with the person and who they are and what they stand for and how they should feel about themselves. So it's funny that numbers can have such, yeah, a influence on the way we feel. It's like certain numbers were programmed into our minds. But I really do believe that tracking your progress in other ways is just so much more rewarding. For me, it's always been photos. I wish I took more photos at the start of my journey. Mm. It's funny because I feel so old saying this, but mobile phones, picture phones, weren't really around then. (laughs) She an oldie. (laughs) So I don't have that many and progress photos wasn't Mm. really a thing. Like Mm. no one encouraged you to do that. I have a few, but God, I wish I had more Mm. because I feel like it's such an easy comparison to make. Mm. I still remember the day that I would wake up every single morning and I would run to the scale. And for some reason, I just loved the number of 55 kilos. It's, It's what I wanted to be. I would feel so good about myself. I was working so hard. I would jump on the scale and I'd be at 56. And my whole world would come like, honestly, like falling and tumbling down beside me. And I was so sad to the point it can, it would change my entire mood. I, my motivation to go to the gym was gone. My motivation to, you know, adhere to my plan was gone. I would honestly let it influence me and change my emotions and my day so, so much to the point where I just said to myself one day, you know what? Bye bye scale. Mm. Bye boy. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Because I was no longer going to let it influence how I felt about myself. And I really recommend this to every girl out there who lets the scales control them. That number has no meaning on who you are, how hard you've worked, how good you actually look. It is just a number and we fluctuate daily. That's what I was about to say. The problem is, is the fluctuation variable Mm. is insane, Mm. especially for women with hormones and honestly, like it just, it's not worth it. Unless you plan on tracking every piece of sodium that you intake, every liter of water that you Mm. drink, every cycle that you have, every, it's just so overwhelming for a number that really like, does it have to matter? And if you really want to track your weight, you should be tracking it over a certain amount of time and then averaging it out. Because as we just said, your weight changes on a daily basis. If there's one lesson that we could share with you and that we could take away from this, I wish I could tell my younger Mm. self this, is ignore the scales. Throw them out. Bye. Bye, bye. Bye, sis. At the end of the day, there are so many other ways to track progress and so many other performance methods that you can pay attention to outside of scale weight. Take photos, track your energy, track your performance in the gym, take your measurements. There is, look at your clothes. Are your clothes fitting you the same? Do you feel better? Like there are so many other factors that you can track your and assess your progress off that doesn't have to involve the scales and doesn't have to involve a number that makes you feel less of a person. And lo and behold, these other methods of tracking are actually more accurate because they're not based so heavily on so many different fluctuations Mm. at different stages of your cycle, Mm. of your hormones, of your sleep, all of that, blah, blah, blah. So honestly, if there's that tiny little lesson, chuck chuck them out. Bye. Bye-bye. Number four, food will always be there. This is a really good one. Isn't this such a lesson? It's such a lesson that I still have to teach myself some weeks. I still have to tell myself, Rachel, (laughs) are you actually hungry? It's so funny. So the other night I was like, it was Wednesday night and I was like, you know what? 
I've I've consumed my intake for the day, but I'm feeling a bit naughty. So I was like, I'm just going to have a dessert. I made up this dessert. I put it in the freezer because I wanted it to set. I went up to my room to have a shower and I showered and then I got in bed. and I was like, you don't actually want that dessert. And it's funny sometimes. And what I highly recommend to you is before you go and you steer off your plan, just ask yourself a few questions. Number one, are you actually hungry? To test this, have a good big glass of water. Second to that, go and occupy yourself for just 10 to 15 minutes, whether that be taking your dog for a quick walk, folding the laundry, making the bed, having a shower, random activities that are outside of the kitchen. Go and do that. Number three, could you have included this in your daily intake? Yes. Did you? No. Okay. Three of those questions answered. If after those three questions are answered, you do want to go and still have that treat, go have it and have it guilt-free. Don't stress over it. Don't feel guilty. Don't put yourself through this vicious cycle. Who cares? You wanted it. It's there to be enjoyed. You had it. Awesome. But majority of the time, it will turn out that you don't really need it or want it Mm -hmm. or crave it. It was just a momentary thought. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I honestly take myself to bed, like with the peppermint tea, because I'm like, Rachel, you're bored. You want to eat. It's that time of night. Mm. But you're not actually hungry. And, you know, a certain amount of discipline does have to come into play. Um, And guess what? We all still go through it. Whether I'm on a high amount of calories, a low amount of calories, I still go through these emotions some days, emotions some days, and I really have to tell myself. Mine is always after my training session. Mm. I'm always like starving Mm. and I go to eat. Like I set myself Mm. when I'm eating and then I go to overeat and I'm like, Emma, just step away from the kitchen. Just let yourself fill up. And I Mm. always do. I always get full. And it's the same with portion control. When you're at a party and it's like, oh my God, there's so many foods here that I never have. And you think that you have to like overindulge in them. Yes, sometimes I'm guilty of this. I'm like, I wish my stomach was bigger. (laughs) I wish I could fit more of this food in. But I'm like there and I'm trying to get through this food. I'm like, Rachel, stop. Stop. You're you're so full and you really have to pull yourself back and realise that, guess what, sis? The food is always going to be there. Exactly. And you really need to know those boundaries and sort of put yourself to little tests to see if you actually want or need it. And I think that's one that I've learned over time. Food is always there. It will always be there. Tomorrow. <sighs> Isn't food glorious? And last but not least, number five, it's not about the destination. Fitness is about the journey. Damn, sis. That deep. was deep. <laughs> that took us literally five takes. We, we just had a little giggle fit, but we're back. So girls, it's so important to understand that, you know, so many of our clients will come to us with these massive, massive goals. And I love it. I'm like, yes, like let's put things into place. Like let's strategize how we can get there. But it's also really important that we don't attach our happiness to this end goal. That could be like years away, like goals take time. But also I just feel like it's not realistic. We think, okay, once I get to this amount of weight, I'm going to be happy. Or once I, you know, get fit into these old jeans, I'm going to be happy. And we attach this emotion to something that isn't actually real. And I always like to tell you, and I can actually vouch because I've often been like, when I get to this stage, whether it be business, relationship, I'm going to be happy. And then you get there and you're like, 
and then there's another goal and then there's another something else and or you get there and you're not as satisfied as what you think you're going mm. to be and you feel disappointed or let down mm. which can be a bit of a mm. like sad overwhelming feeling and it's just about sort of learning to enjoy the process and that's why we always say whether it be dieting whether it be training you need to find something that you enjoy to do if you enjoy kayaking like Albert, then get yourself a kayak and get out in the water and be active that way. If you enjoy swimming, Zumba, if you enjoy intermittent fasting, if you haven't picked up on the, the message we're trying to deliver here is that you need to enjoy the process because that end destination is going to forever be there because guess what? Once you reach one goal, there's another and another and another. It and never stops. Your fitness journey never ends. And it, that is why it's about creating a lifestyle. and That not, you love. Not just a short-term sort of... Um, Quick fix. A yeah. short-term goal that you think you're going to reach and be happy. Mm. It's about creating something that you're happy to wake up and live in every single day. Mm. And yes, you hit your goals. And yes, you reach points where you're like... Yes, I've yes, nailed it. Yes, I've, yes. I've hit that squat or I'm fitting these pair of jeans. But at mm. the same time, it's like, on to tomorrow. Yes. Let's, what are we going to do next? By the time you reach that initial goal, you should have systems in place. You should have a certain amount of routine in place that then it's like, but this is my lifestyle now. I'm not stopping. I can't wait to you exactly. know, see how I can continue to grow. I love this. And that is how you see long, long-term success and not just short-term uh, success. We hope you enjoyed that one. A little bit different, just yeah. a little bit of what we feel, mm. what we've learned, how we see things and what we found has helped us. We just love chatting with you girls and just sharing, you know, our experiences and our opinions. And we hope you are loving these podcasts as much as we are. We will see you all in our next potty.